Back due to popular demand is the second season of the Ulster Rugby Lad podcast. I have some great guests lined up. In this episode, I'm talking to Evan Kavanagh, a font of rugby knowledge and the man behind a Twitter account called EK Rugby Analysis. He has really good insight and a huge amount of knowledge about rugby. Everyone these days has an opinion on rugby, who played well, who didn't and why. Sometimes it's hard to know exactly why teams win or lose, why teams can drop in performance or why certain players don't seem to fit into teams. Evan shed some light on this as we discuss Ireland and Ulster and how things have been going this season. It's a really interesting listen. Hope you enjoy it. So I'm joined here by Evan Kavanagh. Evan, tell me a bit more about how you got started with the rugby analysis. Started there last September when I was waiting for the World Cup to start. I think everyone was kind of <laughs> dying for it to start, and uh, I had no one to talk about it basically. So uh, yeah. I started this. I kind of, I finally had got a laptop that could work Photoshop and took a few screenshots of an Irish game, and that was it. Then kind of started trying to break down games, and I started a conversation as much as anything about rugby because I just couldn't wait for the matches to actually start. Uh, it didn't turn out great for Ireland. <laughs> No, no, and that's something we yeah. can discuss in more detail. Uh, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. and where are you based? What's your local team? Um, so I'm based. I'm in Kildare in Ireland. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of this is kind of a hobby for me at the moment, anyway. Um, but uh, I would have coached from the age of about sixteen, and uh, kind of started. I wouldn't be much of a player, but I always kind of thought about the game anyway, and suppose starting coaching I kind of felt a little bit out of my depth to be honest and especially when you're coaching kids they tell you very quickly uh what you don't know and asking you why you're doing things and all that so I suppose just trying to the last however many years I've been trying to learn as much as possible about rugby and because the analysis is, is kind of part of that I'm kind of learning so much for myself as well as trying to help other people kind of coach through that you know yeah. Are you still coaching at all? or uh, I'm not coaching. So, again, another reason for doing the analysis is I kind of would work. I couldn't do the coaching. So this is a, an avenue for me to kind of to keep in rugby. Uh, yeah. You know, keep thinking about it. Stay sharp. So if I ever do go back, uh, I'd be hopefully still have an eye on the game, you know? Yeah. And is it something that you'd like to do, though? Do some sort of uh, analysis role um, or or turn it into a job at some stage? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm doing a little bit in my local club now, the senior team. So at the moment, it's just kind of, you know, I would have been reading articles, like I'm sure you've read before yourself, like Murray Kinsella on the 42 yeah. and people like that. And kind of looking at them and thinking, yeah, I think that's something I could do myself. Yeah. Um, and I suppose it's just from the point of view of trying to understand the game and I, I'd say I'd be more of a whereas analysts on teams who kind of pour over video and look at stats and all that kind of stuff I'd be more of kind of a, a coaching analyst where you're kind of looking at the why teams are doing a certain thing or how they could do better that kind of stuff yeah um, so yeah that's kind of the angle I'm going from but yeah Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, at the moment it's very much with work in college, it's kind of just something else just to keep the rugby side in, you know. Yes, yeah. And uh, so Leinster would be your your team then, really? Yeah. Um uh, yeah, I'm from Leinster, but I kind of made a conscious decision about four years ago. I, I kind of always seen Ireland as the pinnacle. Mm. So I, I wouldn't really be a Leinster fan, I'd be more kind of a four province fan, to be honest. I try to watch a bit of all the teams. 
and uh, very diplom Ulster, like, diplomatic. <laughs> I kind of had a fascination with Ulster there when you know things went south there. Um, yeah just kind of figure out what was going on, how they could fix it, and seeing kind of their growth over the last few years where they were at a real low point and really struggling to kind of win away games even. And if you look at the game last week against Cardiff where, you know, that wasn't the game they would have won two years ago, you know. Mm, yeah. Let's, let's talk a bit more about your, your thoughts on Ulster from sort of an outside perspective. Do you know yeah. most people who listen to this show uh, will follow Ulster and have done yeah. for many years? Uh, for yeah. someone from the outside, um, uh, looking into Ulster, how have you seen them progress, both in terms of on the field and off the field? And what is it that has created that fascination about Ulster for you? Yeah, I suppose, uh, from a, as I said, just from a coaching perspective, looking at Ulster, you're kind of, you look at them and you kind of think, how can they fix and what's going wrong? And I think in, in the early season before Dan McFarland came and Les Kiss was still there, maybe they struggle a little bit in the pack kind of getting go forward kind of getting over the line and uh, you know they um just the set piece a bit of everything was going wrong at the time unfortunately yeah but i think it's just the, the arrival of john cooney dan mcfarland coming in props and new players coming through young props like tom o'toole eric o'sullivan bringing a bit of experience like jack mcgrath Marty Moore, you know, they definitely shored up the scrum. They seem to get much kind of tighter in the pack while also bring a bit more width to their game and getting backs into the game, like Billy Burns became, kind of playing with a lot more width and ambition on the ball. And, yeah. you know, just yeah. slowly but surely, things started to click for them, you know. And I'm sure Dan McFarland probably would have liked to get a few more signings in this season uh, for his third year. Um, but obviously with COVID, it's been very difficult to get things, you know. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has been. In terms of looking at the Ulster squads, and we'll talk more specifically about a couple of games, including the Cardiff game last week. Um, yeah. But in terms of the squad, generally, where do you think it is Ulster need to strengthen? What are we lacking at the minute, which maybe prevents us from reaching the, the upper echelons of European rugby, so competing with the likes of Leinster? I mean, we have a good squad but there must yeah. be something missing in there from your perspective what do you think is missing at Ulster? Um, very simply I, I think they're just lacking a few ball carriers a few other big mm. ball carriers at a very simple level where you know they have some fantastic ball carriers like Stuart McCloskey and Marcel Coetzee and they make a real impact but have you seen with teams like Leinster you know if you have someone like Will Connors kind of targeting those players and stopping those players who's next? Mm to carry yeah. after those players and make an impact. And there has been players like James Hume made a big impact since the, the lockdown coming back at 13. He's been a very powerful carrier and players who maybe weren't as aggressive before, like um, Treadwell or O'Connor really coming on. But I think, you know, carriers who carry in those more congested areas of the pitch where you're often running into two players at the same time, they'd be the kind of players they'd be looking to get in, you know, and yeah. even mm -hmm. one in the front row, one in the second row. Obviously, Ian Henderson's another great carrier as well, but I think once you get that goal forward, as you've seen with Ireland as well, it makes things a lot easier. You yeah. Know? Something I think at times Ulster have been guilty of maybe overrunning the ball and, and getting caught and running too many phases and kind of wearing themselves out and then kind of get caught as a result um, yeah which yeah. you know on the other hand they've added a bit of experience this year like Albie Matthewson and Ian Madigan mm -hmm. and you really saw that in the Pro 14 semi-final against Edinburgh how they finished that game out when 
someone like John Cooney was kind of maybe not in his best form, kind of struggling. They could bring that experience on and mm-hmm. they can make a difference. And like that kick from Madigan was unreal, you know, to win it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. They're out in pieces, but um, mm-hmm. I think definitely in the pack, they could just add a little bit more, you know? Yeah, a bit more, uh, well, more ball carrying ability, maybe a bit more nastiness as well, thrown into the mix yeah. as well. <laughs> you, you need a couple of, of enforcers in, in the team. Um, I'm yeah, not sure. Absolutely. I think uh, Ulster maybe have historically been too nice to teams. Um, you want yeah. you want people to come and feel intimidated. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in, t- in terms of the Cardiff game last week, I mean, what were your sort of observations or takeaways uh, from that game? Is there anything in particular that you noticed? Uh, a real hard slog uh, of a yeah. game where you dominated possession and a lot of the game it was sort of uh, so many phases on the sort of Cardiff five metre line. And uh, Yeah, so yeah. But what, what were the takeaways and what... What impressed you or maybe didn't impress you about that game? Were there sort of highlights or lowlights that you, you would identify? I suppose the big highlight for me was the defence. Like even Cardiff the week before, I played Munster and well, they hadn't had a huge amount of possession. They were scoring quite easily. Um, they were very deadly, especially in the, the back line with people like Ray Lilo, Jared Evans at 10. You know, they have a lot of very dangerous players who can break the line and to keep, Ulster, or to keep Cardiff to such a low score was a huge positive. And just to work with like things like even um, I think there was a turnover at a, a line out early in the game and John Cooney tracked back, outpaced the nine to, to get the ball um, and then they got the 22 dropout. But that kind of work rate and kind of even bringing on guys like Luke Marshall at 13, he's, he's a very smart defender and a very good at reading when to rush up, when to sit off. And I think the defensive work rate and kind of getting that kind of edge that was what really impressed me. And I think Jared Payne, as a defence coach, since he's come in, he's a young coach, but he's been really impressed with what he's been able to do with the squad and how he's been able to improve them. Yeah, yeah. And watching that game, I mean, I'm always interested in trying to work out who's played well and who hasn't. You read um, sort of player ratings in different publications yeah. and people come up with different ratings, uh, sometimes yeah. completely different uh, opinions on who's played well, who hasn't. Uh, very productive, even yeah. Yeah, exactly. Taking that game as an example, though, um, who who stood out to you as as sort of uh, having having a particularly good game? He, he's looking impressive, or I mean, <clears throat> it's maybe not the best game uh, from a, a backs perspective. Yeah, um, but there's there's a couple of people who I, who I thought played well. I'm keen to hear hear your opinions on it as well. I think uh, just the nature of the performance. It was kind of a team performance where. You know, it'd be one of those, if the coach was talking after the game, he'd say it'd be unfair to pick a man in the match because everybody really showed up and physically, you know, put in a huge effort. But I suppose the one person who stands out to me is Michael Lowry, a fullback. Mm-hmm. And everyone who talks about Michael Lowry, the first thing he always says is the size. Yeah. Um, but you see his turn of acceleration, you see his footwork, even the try he scored with a scrappy ball off the back of a scrum three guys and scored near the post like he's just got you hate to say X factor because it's just such a, a simplistic thing but he's got those kind of those things he can just break up in a game and I think with Michael Lowry as well he has that ability having played 10 to, to put a bit of width on the game and to play as a second playmaker and to make that I mean, add a bit more width to Ulster's defence 
that you might yeah. necessarily get from another 15. Obviously, yeah. Will Allison is another person who's very good. He's been injured for a long time now, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. Uh, like Michael Lowry, I think, you know, he's, I'm really excited from what I've seen from him. Yeah, he, he certainly stood out. I mean, he took his try very well. He, he, sort of a, a frustrating period for Ulster, and he scythed through um, just with ridiculous pace, uh, agility, yeah. and foot, footwork. Um, I, we mentioned, or sorry, you mentioned his size, uh, and that is the first thing that people say when, when Michael Lowry's brought up uh, in conversation, uh, how well he does almost in spite of his size. Um, yeah. uh, in, in terms of his, well, as supporters, our aspirations for him uh, playing for Ireland, for example, is that yeah. ever? Is that ever? I mean, it's probably premature to discuss, especially with the squad announcement and things. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised he wasn't included, considering he's not guaranteed a game for Ulster. Yeah, but he's, a, he's a young guy. Do you think he he has potential to play for Ireland, or do you think that size issue might rule him out? Well, I think. I don't think the size is so much an issue when he's attacking because I say his footwork is so good and even the way he covered the backfield in the last game, feeling kicks and his shirts under high ball, you know, he's got a lot of those kind of uh, understanding in the game, the intangibles kind of, he's very good in those areas. It would only be really in defence if he's the last man making a tackle that you'd maybe have a concern but even again last week he had some very good tackles and I think something Ireland have been kind of looking for, or I think that they need anyway, as a second playmaker, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's at 12 or 15. And I think he definitely is someone who'd be worth looking at. And as I say, yeah. he compensates for his size with his agility and he's doing all the other good things well. So I think you definitely, you've seen players coming in as apprentices to this Irish squad, getting a bit of game time to see how they are. I think he's definitely someone who'd be worthwhile taking into the camp, taking a look at, and going from there. But as you say, the way the squad was picked for the Autumn Internationals, it looks like they've kind of gone with the experience of continuation because they're trying to do a lot of new things and it would only be better for young players to have that game time and get a run of games in their province rather yeah. than maybe sitting on the bench and you know not getting that key development time in key specialist positions like 9, 10, 15. Yeah. That kind of yeah. So I think... Definitely, they'll be keeping an eye on him, but and he has the potential. But maybe now, as I say, his best time is just to get out run of games at Ulster. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I got a bit overexcited and uh, after his, well, recent run of performances and thoughts, yeah. he's Ireland's answer at 10. He, he's yeah. Ireland. I suppose that's actually his, uh, maybe his preferred position. I'm not sure. No, yeah. He's very diplomatic whenever he gets asked, where do you yeah. prefer? And I think he, he's just happy to be starting um, at this Absolutely, stage. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you mentioned, and we'll talk about Ireland in a minute, but um, for Ulster, we have Stuart McCloskey. And anytime an Ireland squad is announced, I mean, he's been included, but um, a lot of people feel he's quite hard done by in terms of uh, not getting enough time or enough of a go at 12 for Ireland. Yeah. From your your perspective, again, it's good to have sort of a more neutral voice and, and yeah. reassured that uh, you're a, a supporter of the, the four provinces as opposed to <laughs> a Leinster diehard because yeah. it, gets, it gets very sort of provincial, uh, do you know? It does, yeah. Start discussing these it things. Does. But your perspective on Stuart McCloskey, is he good enough? Um, is he creative enough? What are his limitations or maybe what's holding him back uh, from, from playing at the highest level? Um, I think Stuart McCloskey, 
I think the main thing he needs is just a chance, <laughs> a chance to play for Ireland at the moment. And there's just so many good centres there. And in the past, maybe if the one thing with McCloskey is he's maybe guilty of not taking his chance as well as other players. You think when Bundyaki came in 2018, he made an instant impact. Robbie Henshaw, Gary Ringrose. You know, Stuart McCloskey, he's developed his game. He's added a kicking game. His defence has improved massively over the last couple of seasons. He still has that physicality, the ability to offload. Of course, you know, every centre can improve their decision-making, but I think he just needs that, that chance and, and to really take it is the main thing. It's such a competitive position and there's so many good centres now in Ireland, you know, who aren't in the squad, but he say he's making the squad and whether it's the Georgia game in the Autumn Nations or it's sooner, I think it's, it's just a case of seizing that chance is the main thing for McCloskey. Yeah, and um, I suppose before we move on to talk a bit more about Ireland, I mean, who are the players that you'd identify in Ulster as sort of having the most potential or standing out to you as, as being potential future internationals at the minute? We only have, we only have about four sort of uh, guys in the Ireland squad. Um, yeah. is, there, is there anyone else there coming through the ranks or people you've watched recently who you think uh, could go all the way and, and eventually play for Ireland? Um. I, I suppose starting at number one, uh, loose head position in Ireland. Um, we had Dave Kilcoyne and Keane Healy. They've been, you know, in very good form. Maybe Healy's getting a little bit older now, but only two loose heads picked in the squad. And uh, Ed Byrne from Leinster was picked in the last one. And it's definitely, I'm sure they're conscious that they need to bring through another loose head. Eric O'Sullivan is someone who's really impressed me uh, with his work rate. Um, his ability the little touches, his handling, you know, he just, in terms of kind of hitting numbers and the amount of tackles he's making per game and hitting rocks and all that, it's to an international level. It's just maybe the scrummaging is something that maybe he feels he needs to work on, but he's someone that really excites me. Um, Tom O'Toole has already been in the squad at Tidehead. Um, again, he's someone who's kind of been bulking up. I think he may be injured at the moment, but um, he's someone to be excited about. Um, James Hume again at 13, he's a fantastic athlete. Uh, Michael Lowry, um, Billy Burns just got into the squad. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's great to have, you know, all the different tents from different provinces in the Irish squad. So they all have an idea of how Ireland play. McCloskey, um, obviously, but there's a lot of good young players there at the moment, in the backs particularly. Um, again, they just probably need to get a good run of games um, to pick up that form playing European games so they can kind of force their way into contention. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, from an Ulster perspective, there's a raft of sort of young guys uh, in the squad. The front row is in safe hands for years to come, I think, with yeah. Eric O'Sullivan and Tom O'Toole. I think it's, it's so reassuring. And in the, the meantime, Marty Murr and Jack McGrath, great to have that experience alongside yeah. them. Uh, uh, absolutely, them, yeah. them. And I think increasingly the subs bench and those sort of impact subs finishers, I think they're, they're called now. Um, yeah. <laughs> it sort of depends thing. on the team, but yeah, finishers are... <laughs> yes, uh, that's, that's sort of the cool, the cool terminology to use. But um, yeah. so you've got those guys. Um, in terms of... Ulster historically haven't produced many forwards coming through the ranks. Uh, again, yeah. a, a lot of our guys are, are coming from that Leinster conveyor belt of talent. Uh, Tom O'Toole is an exception there. He, he's not, I suppose, I mean, he, he went to school in Belfast, but yeah. to, to claim him as our own it, it might, might be tricky. But um, yeah. 
Uh, Stuart Moore as well, uh, inside centre, who actually had yeah. a lot of games. Yeah, he's been very good in the last few games. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he he sort of he offers something a bit different to McCloskey. I think McCloskey has has improved so much since uh, he he sort of maybe had some limitations earlier in his career, but yeah, he's imp- he's improved a lot. And and Robert Balakun as well is another other guy. Absolutely, with yeah. Point two as well, but. I mean, we've we've got a couple of injuries at the minute, like like most teams. Um, I think you, you can sort of guarantee about a third of your squad will be out injured at any given time in the, yeah. in professional rugby now. So um, we're by no means the exception, but we do have uh, Will Addison, who's a class act. Um, he's been so impressive when he whenever he's played for Ulster, but just hasn't hasn't played that much, unfortunately. And would be the obvious no. answer to to Ireland's fullback issues. Um, but in terms of Ireland, uh, keen to hear your thoughts on the. The issues in that Ireland team, I think, without getting carried away about the Six Nations, it was it was a strange tournament, I think, with, with mm. everything that happened with COVID and, and the huge gap between games. But taking the France game, perhaps, a, as an example, yeah. um, a representative sample, maybe, of, of Ireland recently, what uh, would you identify as the issues uh, that there are in that team. We didn't look all that impressive. We only lost, ultimately. It was probably a flattering scoreline. I think it was eight points in it or something like that. But um, what what do you think of the issues? I mean, what do we need to do? What do we need to change to improve for Ireland? Um, In terms of changing things, I I suppose right now, um, kind of that defence, defending the kicking game has, has been an issue. Uh, all I think it was four of France's tries all originated from a kick contest. You know, you had Rattes winning uh, an up and under on the sideline, then France scoring scoring down the try the sideline for the third try. Sexton's up and under, Conway just misses it, and Mac breaks down, Fico chips over, uh, and uh, I think uh, what's his name? I've forgotten the French ten. Entomax uh, oh, yeah. chip over the top for the centre. Even in the English game, that space. Um, between the two back two in the defence in the middle of the pitch has been targeted by England as well where for uh, Ben Youngs and uh, I think it was Daly's tries you know so kind of defending that centre of the pitch kind of our kicking game maybe two things you'd like to improve Um, I I think Ireland have been trying to kind of transition to a new style of attack tactically they they seem to play in a 1-3-2-2 shape this year um, something that Japan would have used in the World Cup against Ireland. It's very much about getting width on the ball, um, quite different to the way Ireland would have attacked in the past. And I suppose that the the issue for Ireland has been kind of being conscious of that past style of rugby, where they might have been very highly structured and played a little bit narrower between the 15 meter lines, to now playing with a little bit more width, a little bit more ambition. Uh, you can see that the system is creating chances. For Ireland to score, the players aren't always recognising them. Mm. Um, times, you know, there's multiple times I had notes here where at the start of the second half, where Sexton had a couple of chances. I think uh, Aki to take the ball wide. There was other chances earlier in the game where there was overlaps there or chances to make yards, but players maybe traditionally would have carried up instead of making that pass, and that was the case against France at times. And you know, Ireland still did score the second highest amount of points in Six Nations this year after France so you know I think in attack there's definitely been an emphasis on counter-attacking more whereas maybe Rob Carey in the past would have taken the ball 
take him to midfield rook, set up off that, played off structure. And um, mm-hmm. like Larmour and Stockdale, they're having more of a cut now. And um, they're having a goal from 15, uh, from full back. And even Stockdale's line break and lead up to a try there against Italy kind of indicated that. But yeah. it's kind of getting, getting used to playing a little bit less unstructured and playing unstructured in attack can lead to more unstructured defence. So yeah. it's already kind of getting used to that comfort and chaos, as, as the coaches say, you know, is the, is the difficult thing. But, you know, you know, second highest amount of points in Six Nations, but yeah, that's interesting. a lot of points. Yeah, just tell me a bit more. I mean, if people listening to this, you talked about sort of Ireland's one three two, one three two two attacking yeah. structure. Now, um, for you, as someone who's interested in, in that type of thing, um, yeah. that that might make perfect sense. But explain that a bit more, maybe in terms of how Ireland well set up now. But how, how has that changed from what they played under Schmidt? Yeah, so just go back to very very simple. So just like soccer, where you have like a four four two formation or four four three, and the rugby uses numeric formations to organise the pack of forwards. Uh, basically, so they're not all in the same rock. And there's a little bit more width on the attack. And I suppose with a 1 3 2 2, you'll have one player on the sideline, part of three forwards outside them, another part of two forwards outside them, and then on the far left touchline, two forwards again. Uh, you'll often see Caelan Doris and CJ Stander out in either wing for Ireland at the moment, and uh, kind of tight five forwards like James Ryan and props in those three pods or two pods. I suppose. Something a problem with Ireland have had before is kind of winning collisions against bigger teams like England, um, quite a bit against England recently. <laughs> but uh, and I suppose this move is kind of tried to play around rather than to run over teams like that because realistically, Irish they don't have the pack to compete with a team like in England or South Africa at the moment, whereas they might have had before when you know, stronger carriers like maybe Dan Levy were in the squad in 2018 and added a little bit more extra heft. And so I think the, the change is, I think the players maybe recognise the change, they needed a change and with Mike Cat coming in from Italy as well, um, just to play more with, to, to give more options and attack, show different pictures to defences. Yeah, um, yeah. As I say, it has yielded points and it has yielded opportunities. It's just something and formations like these, they can take a lot of time. And I can understand yeah. why people aren't patient, but I think when you see the selection of the Irish squad this year uh, for the Autumn Nations, it's very much, I think, a case of uh, Farrell picking the same guys, backing them to get more time in the saddle and get used to those shapes. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, it'll yeah. yield better results in the long yeah. run. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, it's good to hear you're hopeful that it's it's a it's a system which will require um, a, a bit of experimentation. Uh, yeah. People need to be given the opportunity to grow into that system. You mentioned, I suppose, there are opportunities being created, but it's it's recognizing those opportunities yeah. and and being able to exploit them and find the space yeah. that you've created. Is there? I mean, I'm always reluctant to point fingers at people, but is there any way? I'm trying to think how to phrase this. I th- I th- who's missing those opportunities? Is it the 10? Is it the 12? Do we need someone a bit more creative at 12? Bundyaki's fantastic ball car. Maybe he's not being creative enough. I mean, yeah. where, would, where would you point the, the blame, as it were? I think at the moment, there's a lot of onus on Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton to create for Ireland. 
and there has been for a long time. And yeah. I think what Ireland really needs, as I said, is that second playmaker, someone to, to take the pressure off the nine and ten, you know, whether it's someone in a wide pod like a, a standard or someone with Ireland, they drop the 12 behind at the moment, Bundy Aki um, as a second playmaker. So for Aki, we've seen him play with Connacht, play very wide rugby, very ambitious rugby, great rugby in, I think it was 2016 when they won the Pro 12. Um, so I think obviously international rugby, there's less space, less time. I think he does have the ability to do that. It's just, it's a mindset thing. It's kind of having the faith to, to throw those passes, to, to recognise those opportunities and something that maybe Ireland haven't been guilty of or have been guilty of doing uh, is not looking up, maybe recognising those opportunities all the time. But yeah. I think what I'd like to see is the, the fullback and the centres stepping up more uh, to play in those kind of wider channels. You know, Sexton yeah. has uh, especially as he's getting older now. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, for those centres, it's a step up and put more width on the ball, um, especially against France. I think Ireland got very narrow and, yeah. you know, you see it for that uh, third try where Sexton kicks it up and under and Conway chases it. 14 of Ireland's players are in the left side of the pitch and Caelan Doris is alone on the right. France spot that, go down that wing, you know. Ireland need to yeah. play with more width and centres and 15 organising that is a big part of that. Yeah, uh, uh, and you, you mentioned as well in defence, sort of uh, kick defence, um, which you've got uh, the back three, I suppose. Well, back three are responsible for that. Talking specifically about Stockdale, which I'm sure people will be interested uh, to hear your view on him. Is he a fullback? Um, does he lack uh, something required? Do you know even the hand handling ability? He, he, he made a couple of mistakes. He's an excellent player, and I thought some of the criticism was very unfair. Um, but do you think do you think he has a future at fullback, or is he, he better placed out in the wing? You know, I felt a little bit sorry for him now last week. I have to say, um, he didn't like he did make high profile mistakes, and um, you know it wasn't his best game. And I think he's come out in the media there last week saying, you know, he knew that there were basic errors and errors he didn't expect in first and he fronted up, you know, and he's taken ownership of that and, you know, fair play to him from that regard. I think what you get from Stockdale is you get a great left boot um, with Johnny Sexton's right boot, kicking options either side of the rook. It makes it harder for defences to guess where Ireland are going to kick and it's, it's a hell of a left boot as well, serious distance. And you see with his last try there against France that, you know, he can break tackles. He's a great ball carrier. Even we keep going back to that game, 2018 against New Zealand. His attacking attributes are there, but he still had those those three drop balls, you know. And yeah. I think the thing for him is, you know, whether it's not necessarily a fullback issue so much as you know a technical issue. You know, whether it's a wing or fullback, he needs to be a little bit more assertive there. I think, um, and he knows that himself. And um, personally, I'd probably see him as a winger at the moment. But at the same time, I'd expect Farrell to back him at 15 for the next few games. Yeah. Because, you know, if you take Stockdale out, you're putting someone else who hasn't had much time in 15 in that position and might be just exacerbating the problems. So, yeah, yeah. Right now, they just need to back someone. And I think backing Stockdale would be the right, from a coaching perspective, would be the right decision. Yeah, yeah, uh, interesting because um, I think some people were calling for for heads. It always ha happens in these cases yeah. where you need someone to take the blame and always falls on a particular player. Generally speaking, and 
on this occasion, unfortunately, it was Stockdale. Well, in terms of, I, I want to ask you, just to finish, uh, I want to ask you a couple of key questions. I want your view on, on who should play at 9 and 10 for Ireland. Would you maintain the Murray-Sexton partnership? Would you experiment, maybe put in new players uh, and see how it goes with a view to the future? Or uh, stick with the tried and tested that we have at the moment? Um. I'd probably expect for it to continue with the try and test set anyway for, for these games. Uh, Connor Murray and, and Johnny Sexton, they've done a huge amount throughout their careers, you know, and they've a huge contribution to Ireland, the Lions, you know, fantastic careers. Um, I think I think Sexton is still the best 10 in Ireland at the moment. Uh, I don't think there is anyone. I'd maybe like to see them Ireland just try someone else at nine. Um, I think Cooney, you know, he did have a drop in form after the lockdown. He's kind of picked things up again. Um, I would have liked to have seen him in the squad. I think he was unlucky. Uh, and there are other, other nines now across Ireland playing well, like Marmion, like Caelan Blade, even Craig Casey and Munster. Still very young, but seems to have that kind of attitude, the fearlessness of youth. Um, you know, I would like to see that. Um, maybe a little bit of a difference. Come on, Gibson Park has come in late in games recently. Um, still betting into the squad, but... You know, I can understand absolutely why Murray and Sexton are picked. You know, Murray's a great box kicker, um, still good defensively, and, and Sexton obviously brings a huge amount to Ireland's organisation. Um, so I don't have a major issue with continuing for the for foreseeable future, but I think definitely there should be options tried out there. Kind yeah. of look toward Carberry getting injured as well, and um, you know, a lot of the the would be tens have kind of fallen off over the last few years. To replace yeah. So, yeah, yeah. that perspective, but yeah. I know, I know it's uh, you, you know, your audience there dropping in in Cooney as a potential uh, yeah. uh, and certainly, um, do you know, watching him in every game for Ulster, he, he's been outstanding the past couple of seasons. Completely yeah. agree with you. He had a drop in form and just came at the worst time because uh, if, he, if he'd come back uh, and hit the ground running, uh, you would like to think that he would, he would, get, he would get his chance. But uh, it didn't work out and he's the sort of guy who responds really well to that uh, type of setback. Uh, he's very... Yeah, he's, he's had a huge amount of adversity before, you know. He yeah. left Leinster to go to Connacht. Didn't really work out from there. Came to Ulster and really made it its own, you know. And yeah, um, just being a fantastic player, you know, kicking, you know, just the real driving force behind Ulster and the resurgence over the last few years, more than anyone else, you know. So yeah, yeah, huge respect yeah. for what he's done, and obviously he's resilient. And I'd back him to come back again. Yeah, I know. There's always a rush to bring in uh, guys and, uh, and experiment with them, guys who are exciting. There's the likes of Craig Casey uh, from Munster, uh, Ben Healy as well, um, yeah. Billy Burns as well. has been very good for 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 Ulster and, and maybe looks like he's sort of next in line to to be given a shot at ten. Yeah. Um, but you, you're right in terms of like we have you let you, you listed off uh, uh, probably four or five players in contention uh, for for the for the scrum half position and. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it'll be interesting to see who really sticks their hand up in the next sort of run of games and, and says that's going to be... Yeah, um, absolutely. I think all of internationals and European games are the real um, avenue for people to kind of advertise themselves at that level. You know, yeah. the Pro 14, you know, a lot of Irish teams do well and tend to do well, thankfully, um, season on season. But I think in terms of what it's 
where the Judgment for International Honours is doing well at European and international level is where players get picked. Yeah, absolutely. And the final question, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, is the back row. I suppose we have so many options there. I think standards probably nailed on at eights, but in terms of um, flankers, a lot of options. So you've got um, you've got Omani, and then you've got um, Van der Flair, you've got Doris, you've got Deegan, um, yeah. uh, Levy, who's coming back in as well. Um, Connors. <laughs> Connors. Connors is the in- incumbent, really. Um, and... I wasn't expecting that probably. I probably didn't know enough about him. Uh, I'd seen yeah. him play, but he really came on and, and laid down his marker and said, uh, yeah, they don't intend to give yeah. up this shirt anytime soon. Who would you go for in sort of the strongest uh, strongest back row that you could put out? I can't remember if I mentioned Rich Roddick as well, but definitely. Yeah, English. he was very good. The last few games, he's been very good for Leinster, particularly the, the other night. Um, I think the main thing for Ireland is... I think Ireland can, they have the luxury, they can pick a back row to suit particular teams. Um, you know, there's different roles you look for in a back row. You look for someone who's good for carrying in the tight, someone who's good carrying the loose, someone who's good over the ball and the rook, uh, in the line out. You know, all these different roles you look to figure out. Uh, CJ Standard's probably the one who fills all those roles at the moment, and maybe Caelan Doris. And I think it's the other seven jersey is really the one that's kind of open at the moment. Uh, Will Connor's low tackling technique has been really effective against kind of teams of big ball carriers. Um, he's really been putting his hand up. Van der Fleer is another who's a good tackler um, like that. And uh, even Levy, you know, has been very good for Ireland in the past. Um, it's I don't envy Farrell picking that back row. I, I like the balance of the back row at the moment. I have to say that Ireland are picking. Um, Amani's obviously he's been very good for Ireland over the time. Um, I just think. Ireland, they needed just that extra ball carry. And with Doris and Stander in the back row together, uh, it allows O'Connors or uh, Van der Fleer or Namahani at seven to do their thing. Um, and I, I like the balance, how they kind of balance the roles there at the moment. And, but they kind of cut their cloth for particular teams, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, how, number one, how sort of Ireland's new style of rugby works out, how long they take to grow into it. Yeah. I think I think we, we maybe lack the plan B uh, after the during the most recent World Cup yeah. and that was exposed and it's exciting to think that um, we're far more versatile, adaptable um, uh, or should be anyway with this new style of rugby and also some of those key positions, there's always a bit of a changing of the guard, uh, do you know, um, every season and uh, we've yet to see I, I think maybe we just didn't have enough games uh, to base our, our evidence or, or selections on uh, no. in the most recent Six Nations games but um, after uh, another uh, run of games it'll be interesting to see who Farrell goes for in those key positions and whether um, some of the names we mentioned we'll, we'll get uh, a look in so uh, that's that's been really interesting to, to discuss with you and um, really appreciate your insight and uh, enthusiasm for, for, for talking about Ulster in Ireland and So that was me talking to 
Evan about the Ireland uh, squad. This was prior to the Autumn Internationals, uh, that tournament we've just had. Uh, maybe we're a tad optimistic about uh, how players would grow into the new sort of Ireland setup. It hasn't worked out massively well, I think you, you'd agree on that. Thankfully, uh, most of the Ulster guys have given a pretty good account of themselves, so there's always that. But anyway, thanks to Evan for his time and hope you enjoyed listening.